This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Walker, and today I have a really awesome guest with us, Scott Rusnick, who is the author of the Entrepreneur's Field Guide, Design Your Life Before Someone Else Does It For You. Before we get too far into the podcast, I want to thank our sponsors, RepairPal, for providing this episode. RepairPal will help you grow your auto repair business. You can learn more at repairpal.com forward slash shops. Well, hi, Scott. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Likewise, Brian. It's an absolute pleasure. I've listened to your show a few times and I was super intrigued. So it's great to be a guest. Yeah. Tim Stoll, our EOS implementer, connected us and learned that you are an EOS implementer as well. We did an episode with him. It's probably been six or so episodes back where we talked about how EOS impacts marketing. When we talk today, we're really going to get into this book that you wrote, The Entrepreneur's Field Guide, which was a a great book. I've really enjoyed reading it. It was an easy read. It didn't get like too far off into the weeds or anything, just kind of like to the point, but some really great stories there and some great takeaways with some things. I think that our audience will be able to take these things and, and go implement them. You know, just so we can learn a little bit more about you, you know, before we get too far into that, I read all of these awesome stories in here about you with the the bicycling and the surfing and and all of that. Tell us a little bit about that. Now, it's interesting when we can bring together the connection of cycling and surfing, the two things I love. But the key part is that both of them involve me having a coach who understood me so I can become better than I ever, ever thought possible in each sport. And if I wind back the clock to my teenage years, I was the kind of kid who wanted to be in the Tour de France. I wanted to be a professional cyclist. And I was lucky enough to get, I guess, discovered at a regional race by the Canadian cycling coach. His name was Des Dickey. And he just asked me when I was going to turn this into a, a real passion of a sport and not a hobby. So very lucky to have world-class coaches that push me in the right direction. Yeah, we talk about it often about how you are the sum of the five people that you hang around with the most. And and you got into some of that with these cyclists that you had the opportunity to ride with. I did. And I love that you talk about the five most important people. There's a number I refer to quite often and people should take a peek online. It's called Dunbar's number. And if we start with the five most important people, those who know your core values, those you can talk to at two in the morning and they can come to your rescue or you can rescue them. If you've got that great inner circle, I think that you can achieve pretty much anything you want in your life. Yeah, I've I've seen that so much in my own life with the people that I hang out with the most that they're just, they give me life. They're my best friends, but they're great family men. They're great businessmen. They don't settle for just mediocre lives, you know, and because of that, it drives me to do the same. Absolutely love it. My longtime mentor, Mike Mueller, grabbed me by the scruff of the neck when I was young 40s, I had exited from two of my businesses. And you'd think that selling your business would be a happy moment. It was for maybe a day or two, but then I just kind of started to wane and do some things outside of my coaching practice that didn't help me. It was really great to know that he's part of my core five. He sort of pulled me by the scruff of my neck and said, look, if you want to be a world-class coach, here's what we got to do. And I really put a lot of his vice into motion. That reminds me of something that I read in your book, this idea of, will it make the boat go faster? (laughs) Well, my cycling coach came to me and there's a couple of ways to look at it. 
he said to me back in my teenage years, if you take a look at everything you do in a given day and make decisions with this implementation intention in mind, you could say, will it make the boat go faster? Will it make the business grow quicker? Or will it make the bike go quicker? And I took my diet, exercise, rest, the friendship group into serious concern back then. And it allowed me to make bike go pretty fast from time to time. I think that that's something that we don't pay attention to enough. We get in these rabbit trails of businesses where we're doing things without being cognizant of the fact of, is this really going to make a difference in the business? Today is a prime example. We had set this podcast up for about an hour and a half earlier. And I said, hey, Brian, I've got a client session. I should be okay with timing, but can we leave a one hour buffer? I wanted to be respectful of your time and I want to be respectful of my client's time. And I think it made their business go better. And I was much more prepared to do this as well. So you've got to have those implementation intentions in your mind so you're making the right decisions throughout the day. So speaking of the right decisions, another thing that I read in your in your book, you know, we're huge on core values. We talk about that all the time on the podcast and we're a marketing podcast. And you think, well, why are you talking about core values on a marketing podcast? But gosh, your core values extend into into everything that you do. And you have you have some really great takeaways about core values in there. But one of the things that I think people have the hardest time with is actually coming up with those core values to begin with. And one of the things that you said that I love is that your core values already exist within you. You just have to like bring them out of you and, and put them into writing. Could you talk a little bit about how you guide three people through the process of coming up with their core values and making sure that they're the right ones and that they're, they're truly meaningful? Absolutely. This is a, a goosebump moment for me, Brian. I find that setting those core values with a team is one of the most powerful exercises we can go through. There's a little bit of a pre-read that I like folks to go through. I never went to Harvard, but there's a great Harvard Business Review article written by Patrick Lincioni. And the title of that article is What Matters Most and Discovering Your Core Values. And the four to five page article talks about describing the adjectives of those you surround yourself with, those that you aspire to be like, those that you may want to accidentally become as well, and that give you the freedom to play to rise above. And if you go through this exercise over the course of 30, 60 days and set those adjectives and verbs into motion, you'll find out that you've got some sentences or phrases that really describe you and your team. You see, you said 30 to 60 days. I think a lot of people believe that coming up with their core values is an hour-long process that they can do over lunch one day. Well, I'm a big fan of R&D, which can mean research and development or rip off and duplicate. (laughs) But I think if you look at others' core values and then you take them into your core and see if you can live and breathe with those, they should put pressure on you. So to wake up one day and say, my core value is integrity, I would question you in a pretty strong degree because that was Enron's number one core value. Now, if you came back to me and said, we do the right thing, that's a verb and an action statement. And I'm pretty sure, Brian, that you do the right thing. And what that does, it gives you the ability to evaluate yourself and others you surround yourself with. So spend a lot of time, really think about how they're actionable and how you're going to put those into your behavior. And I think you'll come up with three to five pretty darn good core values. It's funny that you say that because one of our core values is integrity. 
And the subheading on that is we do the right thing. Ah, there we go, brother. Literally to the word. And then we have an entire paragraph under that that really goes into depth about that core value. But I love what you said about they'll challenge you because knowing that one of our core values is integrity, when you start really living by your core values, you'll go to make a decision and your core value will smack you in the face. Like you, you don't even have to go think about it because it's there and you will know immediately without even you don't have to say let me check the you know let me do a litmus test against my core values uh-huh. they are just there and man i've had them i've had them smack me around before it's good there's another book i suggest people reading or listening to it's called morning miracle and the author talks about waking up and giving gratitude and just really thinking about those people that have helped you and then the next step is what is true to your core and one of our my core values is humbly confident Sometimes, you know, you can get a little full of yourself, a little puffy in the chest, but if you can pull yourself back and be really cognizant of the fact that I'm here to help people and really dive into their situation, it'll allow you to become a little more humble and realize there's a lot more to the situation than you ever thought. I love that. And what you just said there about gratitude, how important do you feel that is for people to really start the day with gratitude? Wow. The coolest thing about your podcast, Brian, is that you're reading my mind to a certain degree (laughs) and we didn't prep with these questions. And the expression of gratitude, whether you're meditating, whether you're driving your car or on a clarity break, is to thank those that have gotten you to a certain part in your life or your career. And what that will do is if you express gratitude mentally and then emotionally, it'll take you out of those pits of despair that sometimes we get into and allow you to remember that no matter how hard things have been, there's always been someone that will help you get to the pinnacle of that mountain and you can lean on them or even just the thought of gratitude can sometimes propel you further. Yeah. I am one of those people that I never really believed in all of that stuff. And, you know, the whole company culture, I was one of those person where it was like, pay me to do my job. At the end of the day, I'm going to go home and if you paid me a fair wage for a, a great job, then I'm, I'm happy. And I didn't care about the culture and all of that and like gratitude and all. I was always like, yeah, I don't really get into all that woo woo stuff. But in my business, thank God I've had other people who really do believe in those things. And as soon as I saw that stuff come to life in my business, that is when everything really started taking off. And one of the things that we do every single morning is we have what we call our stand-up meeting because when we used to be in an office all working together in one place, we would stand up so that the meeting didn't take too long. And you know, now, of course, we do it by Zoom because our team is fully remote. But we start off, each person goes around and we talk about one thing that we're thankful for, or we're grateful for that day. And then we talk about our top three priorities for the day. And it's really a great way to to set the mood for the day by talking about what you're thankful for. Because you can't be in a bad mood while you're talking about what you're grateful for. There you go, brother. That is perfect. You're a perfect business coach. And that's just the medicine that I think people need to put into their core today is to realize that the people you surround yourself with, if they live and breathe with those core values, and they can call other people out by saying, hey, Brian, you really helped first with this client or in this episode. It just brings the team up. And it's not a kumbaya kindergarten exercise. This is real life stuff. We're adults really pushing through some hard challenges. So expressing gratitude with core values is number one. Our friends at RepairPal are making today's episode possible. Don't lose work to your competition. Today's consumers check pricing during all stages of the repair process, before, during, and after. 
Did you know that 81% of them do online price comparisons before making a purchase and customers that check your price after they've already authorized the work do so after calling the competition? But RepairPal, the largest auto repair network, has a solution. Their fair price estimator tool can be put on your website to help you build trust with consumers up front to demystify a price, help educate consumers about what's involved in the repair, bring you higher web traffic, and prevent your customers from calling your competition. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to repairpal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more about becoming RepairPal certified. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. That's repairpal.com forward slash shops. One of the other great things that I read in your book was this idea of the blue zone, green zone, red zone, and blackout. Tell us about this. I'm a big believer that if you can plan your days, your weeks will flow nicely and so will your year. And the one thing I thought about many years ago was that you need to start your day off with this open ocean. Just picture yourself on a beach looking across the ocean. There's no waves. There's no wind. It's just flat. It's just simple. And if you can wake up in the day with that kind of mindset that the world is yours and this is great horizon, possibilities become endless. During that blue zone, think about your core values, express gratitude to those that have helped you, and then slowly but surely start moving into your day. And when you go downstairs, you make yourself your cappuccino, you pet your dog or whatever it is, you start thinking of the day, slowly transition into something that I call the green zone. And this green zone is where you can take a look at, okay, here's the meetings I've got today. Here's my rocks, my most important priorities. And here's what I want to accomplish by the end of the day. And if we can slowly ease our way into the day with these blue, then green zone moments, when the rubber starts to hit the road and you've got meetings, key client sessions, or other difficult things, we can then move into the red zone, which is where we need all of our awareness. And I think if you can transition in and out of these zones, much like waves on the ocean, it's going to make your day that much easier. So uh, I hear people talk about how you shouldn't start your day off with like just picking up your phone and starting to read your emails. And that kind of goes right along with, with your blue zone of, you know, just starting the day slowly and, and enjoying it rather than just waking up and getting hit, you know, in the face with a ton of bricks, you know, being the, the meat of the business that's happening. Absolutely. I hate the word busy because everyone could be busy. We could be reading anything on Twitter. We could be watching all this online news and your brain just becomes clouded. And if you can look at your day as a beaker saying, how do I want to fill up this beaker or this vase? If you can start with that gratitude, really ease into your day with your priorities, you've got a pretty good shot when the later stages of your day happen that you've accomplished most everything. And then we can move into something that I call the blackout zone where you've got to shut it all off. So when you come back in the house, make sure that everything is taken care of so you can be present with those you love. So you said that you have about 50 hours per week that your your brain is just working in the capacity that it needs to be to be able to just get business done. But you included your workouts in that 50 hours. I love that idea. But that's something that most people wouldn't consider part of their like working hours. Tell us a little about that. So Brian, I treat my workouts as singular events. I'm typically by myself and the workout for me is a clarity break. And I schedule those things in so that I can ride my mountain bike, surf, go for a walk. Sometimes I do yoga and my mind is at rest. And during these workouts, sometimes problems come into my mind. And it's a funny thing. After an hour or two, I come up with a solution. 
So I schedule these into my week intentionally, typically at least four of them a week. And yes, they're part of my 50 hour week. So you talk about a, a daily clarity break, a weekly clarity break, and then a, is it a monthly or like a quarterly? It's a quarterly clarity break. And you've caught me on the back end of my quarter. Tomorrow, we're going on vacation for two and a half weeks. We're headed to Brazil and Panama. And my wife and I have found that if every quarter we can spend some intentional time with one another, a couple of weeks, and not everyone needs to take a couple of weeks, but if we can get away and just be present with each other and try to turn it off, we're that much more ready for the rest of the year or the next quarter that's coming up. Yeah, I find that that's when the solutions to all of the problems in my business tend to come to me is when I have really gotten away from it. And I'll do those, the clarity breaks here and there. If I'm just, if I just have one of those days where some things are happening and I need to figure it out, I do find that I have to get away from it. And I, you know, of course I'm a EOS practitioner. So the idea of a clarity break is something that I implemented, taught me and we use those. But it's the big clarity breaks, not the hour that I take during lunch. It, it tends to be those ones that when we get away from the business and can really calm our minds, that solutions to problems just start coming to me. It's an incredible thing. I think it was Henry Ford that said, the hardest thing for a human being to do is to actually just think and to get in a spot where there's not a lot of noise. And you mentioned lunch. Lunch can be a great clarity break, just as long as we're not at the diner and there's a million people coming at us. If we're at own or on our own, if we can really get peace with what's happening in our lives, it's pretty crazy that what bubbles to the surface. So you also talked in your book about minimizing distractions, that you purposely have a small home minimalist. It's in the minimalist style. It's been designed so that you don't have to do a lot of yard work and all of that. How has that impacted you? This is a tricky part because some people might think I live in a utopian state. I don't come from a privileged background. I certainly don't. I had to work for everything I've got. But when I started to recognize those who were a little more opulent, had these massive properties, you know, a second home, a third home, it just looked like a lot of cloud to me. So I've tried to shrink that down and I'm doing this podcast from my office in Solano Beach. It's just a small little office, wonderful windows. But what this minimalism does for me, it allows me to put aside the distractions that may occur if I had six bedrooms in my house. We've got two bedrooms, two baths, and an office. And could I have a bigger house? Probably. Do I need a bigger house? No. Now, sometimes I want a bigger house or a a view or something, but I don't need a landscaper. I don't need all these other trappings that come with these larger properties. So it's just a very simple existence I try to live within. I'm beginning to think that people who decide to live like what you're talking about are much smarter than me because I'm sitting over here on eight and a half acres with a 3,000 square foot house, a shop, and I'm in the middle of a pavilion in the backyard. And I have a lot of projects going on and it is really starting to impact me in a bad way. All of the things that I have going on. I mean, just cutting my grass. Now, That being said, we call it tractor therapy, but I do love getting on my mower and just going. But I mean, it's it's three hours to cut my grass on a large, fast mower. And then all of the projects, it's just it's getting overwhelming and it's time for me to calm it down. So I love that idea. And I have a feeling that I will probably end up being that person one day where it's like, okay. Let's simplify some things a lot. So this is a tricky one. Last week in Denver, we had all of our EOS coaches come together and I did a talk based on my book. And there were a couple of coaches, late 30s, mid 40s, like Scott, 
look, I've got three, four, five kids. I've got this big house. I've got this property. What do I do? Do I sell it all? No, don't sell it all. Just try to simplify things and design your week, your month, your quarter, your year with the most important people. And sometimes some of those projects can be put to the side. Now, I will say I'm very envious because I love to cut a lawn. And uh, maybe one day you'll find me in your front yard on your tractor because three hours on the tractor sounds pretty darn good to me. When I used to hear people talk about tractor therapy, I would laugh at it until until we, we bought this piece of property. And it, it, there really is something to it. All right, following the herd. I loved what you said because, and this was something in the book where you're talking about following the herd, you're probably going to survive. But as I read it, it's like, man, that just doesn't seem like the life for me to follow the herd. It's tricky. I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who have got an amazing church group. They might be an EO, YPO. Gosh, there might be some EOS coaches listening and there's almost 500 of us now. So sometimes the groups and associations we're in serve us really well. What I want you to do is take a look at those groups and find your core. We come back to that five. You know, those are the five most important people in our lives. But is there a group of 10 to 12 within that group or that association that allow you to breathe and live with those core values in mind, achieve your objectives, necessarily get caught in that herd? And I just come back to lemmings and I'm not saying that all these groups and associations have got lemmings, but they'll just do what they're told to do. So find yourself a T group, find yourself a mastermind within those groups and associations so that you can really make sure that you're getting what you need and what you want out of those groups. Let's get away from the book for a minute because, you know, you, you were working with entrepreneurs from looks like 120 days a year. You are with entrepreneurs and you're going through these, these planning days and everything with them. What are the most common pitfalls that you're seeing that people are just doing wrong that's impacting the, them negatively? Health. <laughs> and I mean that in the biggest way, health. And I'm just going to start with healthy, open, honest, true conversations. More often than not, there's a facade, there's a bit of ego. I built this thing, I own it. That's not healthy. Having healthy conversations allows you to be in a safe environment. And I'll go to Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You've got a I think it's one of the best business books ever written. Sorry, Gino, I love traction, but Lencioni's book is wonderful. We've got to trust each other at such a core that we can be vulnerable and really understand one another at the core, but also realize that each human being has a history, a personal history. And so when you get to understand someone's history, where they went to school, their first job, their worst job, challenges growing up and challenges they see moving forward, it allows you to build that trust so you can then have something we call positive tension that brings out some conflict. So when you have healthy conflict and a high value trust environment, you can really start to grow as human beings and as a team. So I'll just keep coming back to health every time. I thought that we were a great team until I read that book. And that book opened my eyes to some issues that we had. And it comes down to exactly what you were talking about. It was the trust side. And it's hard to have an open honest conversation with someone if you don't understand that their intentions are really for the thing that is best for the team as a whole, that their intentions are do a great job for the client and all of that. And just having discussions with the team about that and really encouraging people to have that open, honest dialogue, but you know, also to look around the room and, and say, is there anyone here that you think they're having that conversation with you because 
they don't like you or they want to put you down or something. And, you know, in, but instead look at it and say, do they really have the the best intentions? And man, that was a game changer when, when we started looking at things from that direction. Yesterday, we had a very tricky quarterly meeting with a group of veterinary clinics. And where my head is going is it's something I learned from these people about a year ago. And the owner, she said to me, Scott, I want you to understand that the veterinary world, these medical doctors, they have the highest rate of suicide in any profession. And I was kind of taken back, wondering, well, how could that be? She said, well, it's the human-animal connection. It's really hard to get that human-animal connection. But then you put the owner or the kid's into the equation that have got pressure on you to fix this animal that can't speak. And these doctors are under a ton of pressure. So every time we open a meeting, we talk about team health, mindset, how are you doing? What did you do well? What can you do better? And do we have clarity with the person, the human being that is having you take care of their animal? So back to those core values and being really open and honest, it's allowed us to have some really tricky conversations with some people that might be dealing with some deep issues in their heads. Any last words, you know, for our listeners? Make sure you're working with people you love working with and make sure that you're living intentionally, but ensure that every day you've got a purpose to ensure those you touch, you leave them in a better place than you found them. All right. So for those who are listening, Scott's book is The Entrepreneur's Field Guide. Design your life before someone else does it for you. And you know what? I'm reading that and we just can't stop yet. We can't stop because the subtitle of the book there, the design your life before someone else does it for you. I'm reading that and realizing we really didn't even go there. Discussions and we and we have to. So forget what I said about any last words. Let's talk about that for a minute. This idea of designing your life. You've designed your life. You've obviously designed your life. And I know that we've hit on a lot of these things here, but, you know, the idea of the blue zone, green zone, red zone, the the minimalist house and all of that. But from a 30,000 foot view, if we're not careful about it, we will live a life where we are accomplishing everyone else's goals, but our own. And designing our lives. And I, I want to talk about, you know, what I've done as, as well, but tell us about designing your life. We've already talked about core values. And I think that's the number one and most important design element. Know who you are at your core with your values. There's a couple other tools I could bring into the equation, but the next one I would move to, and it's kind of funny, I've got an open page of a 12-month calendar in front of me. And you'll note that on my calendar, I don't have any month headings at the start. So what I like to do every quarter, I like to reset the next 12 months moving forward. So I just reset my year on August the 1st. I'll do it again in 90 days. So this is not a New Year's Day kind of conversation. This is every 90 days, look 12 months ahead. And so what I want you to do is think about those moments with that five. We talked about it earlier. Is it a vacation? I remember when our kids were little, they loved to go to Legoland. And when school was terrible and they were complaining, Hey, don't forget, we're going to Legoland in June. So this can apply to young families or can apply to people like me who are been married 32 years, 58 years old. Hey, I know that we're going to Brazil. I know we're going to Costa Rica at Christmas. And next year, we're going to go visit Vietnam and Cambodia. And those things provide us with a real beacon of some fun and fascination through the year. So start with your five, build in some fascinating moments, reset it every 90 days. And then as you're resetting, then schedule in your most important meetings, all the other things you've got to do to accomplish your rocks and your objectives for the year. 
and I'll bet my left toe that if you just start with core values on that 12-month rolling calendar, things will move along pretty nicely. Dave Ramsey likes to say something. I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically says that if you don't tell your money what it's going to do, you know, just going to do whatever. I wish I could remember the exact quote, but if you don't tell your money what it's going to do, it's going to do what it wants to do. And I think it's the same thing for every minute of your day. If, if you don't tell your day what it's going to do, if you don't tell your week and your month and your year what it's going to do, then, I mean, everyone else is just going to take control of your time for you. I absolutely love the Ramsey connection. Deep respect for him and what his entire community has done. That's a place where folks should look as well. Really believe that as human beings, if we can design that year intentionally, you can get everything you want. Yeah. The episode that I recorded before this one, it should come out right before this one. It's an episode with Coach Nate Bailey. We went over this idea of what do you really want? Because I don't think that most people even know what they what they really want. They know what society tells them that they should have. They know what they think is possible, which is usually way less than what's actually possible. But if they really took the time to dive in and figure out what it is that they truly want in life, then they could they could take their life and design it so that, that they can accomplish those things. At a young age, I had the misfortune of losing an awful lot of friends, way too many friends than someone at a young age should. And I remember watching the parents weep knowing that their sons and daughters had so much more potential. Don't wait for a funeral to design what you want. Start living it now. I'm not saying you need to throw everything to the wind, but start designing it now because tomorrow is too late. That's powerful. All right. Well, Scott, so your book is available on Amazon, but what is the best way for people to to interact with you? My website is really simple, scottrusnack.com. There's a contact form if they want to have a chat or jump on a Zoom call. I'll be happy to coach them through a few things about designing their lives. Or if they're looking for a U.S. coach that's done this, worked with several hundred clients, I'd be thrilled to talk to them as well. Great. Well, I will have those links in the show notes. For those of you who are listening, I appreciate you being here today. I hope that you will come back and listen again next week. Remember that we are just one of five podcasts on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find the others at aftermarketradionetwork.com. I want to thank our sponsors, RepairPal, again, and I hope that you'll listen again next week. Until then, go fill those bays. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.